From the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network Studios in Des Moines, I'm Mark Magnuson, and welcome to Iowa Ag Matters. In today's show, Riley talks with Greg McBride of Allendale for the latest U.S. export sales report. I will be joined by Will McEntee to discuss climate-smart ag jobs in rural communities. And Andy continues the conversation on 2,4-D-resistant water hemp with Eric Scherter of Corteva. It's time now to welcome our hosts, Dustin Huffman and Andy Peterson. Everybody scoffed at me when I told them I'm not ready for winter to be done yet. I have a feeling we had a little more in us. And boy, did we wake up to three inches of snow and uh, a lot of uh, cars uh, incapacitated this morning in Des Moines. Uh, This is Iowa Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. I'm Dustin Hoffman. This portion being brought to you by Sweetwater Technologies. Drawing on the road to one million acres. Visit SweetwaterTechnologies.com to learn more. Andy, what are things looking like out your way? Did you get any of the uh, the white stuff on the ground today? About enough to track a couple of rabbits in my yard that apparently were munching on my rose bushes that have started to bud out. And that's it. So you definitely bore the brunt of this particular uh, outburst from Mother Nature. <clears throat> Maybe minimal outburst, I guess, given what we experienced in January. Hey, we're going to uh, continue the conversation on herbicide resistance, 2,4-D-wise, and water hemp coming up a little bit later on. Right now, though, let's start off with a market conversation. Mark visiting with Matt Bennett from agmarket.net. Joined today by Matt Bennett for our opening market discussion. Matt, what are we seeing taking place in the grains? Yeah, the grains are kind of quiet right now. I mean, basically you had uh, baseline numbers put out uh, yesterday, some uh, numbers put out today from the USDA, and it's just kind of an estimate from a, a bigger, uh, a higher view, if you will. You know, and, and essentially yesterday, for instance, they said for this uh, a crop year, they thought uh, corn acres would be 91, beans uh, beans would be about 87.5, and that that would result in carry on corn of 2.5 billion bushels and 435 on soybeans. So really nothing they put out yesterday was friendly whatsoever. Now, the 10-year type uh, projections they had here this morning uh, keeps carry on soybeans closer to like a 300 million type situation because crush according to USDA, is going to continue to grow, you know, at a time uh, that we all know that the crush industry here in the U.S. Is, uh, has got some exciting stuff moving forward. So, you know, I think that uh, for soybeans, maybe today it seemed a little friendlier, you know, on some of the longer-term projections than corn because they were talking corn carry, you know, pushing $3 billion. And so uh, uh, that's a bit of a concern. Uh, not a whole lot of bullish information, uh, but maybe a touch more friendly on, on soybeans and corn here on the baseline. Matt, what is the latest situation in South America and kind of the place that they're at right now in their season? Yeah, and so essentially your first crop soybeans are being harvested there in Brazil. Argentina is coming on uh, before too long. You know, it seems like Argentina's weather has been pretty good. I mean, they've had a couple of bouts of uh, drier weather and warmer weather, uh, but overall it looks like they're going to be significantly better production than what they saw a year ago, whereas uh, over to Brazil – you know, uh, they had significant dryness early on. It probably impacted this first crop soybeans uh, a fair amount. We still don't know, though. I mean, there's just a lot of unknowns there. And so uh, we've got to think that the USDA is probably too high on Brazil soybean production. But is it high enough that it's going to precipitate a huge rally is the question. And I don't know, you know, that that it is. And so, you know, overall, the safrina crop, I think, is what uh, is starting to get planted down there. Uh, most people are kind of looking to see, uh, hey, is it going to get hot and dry down there? A lot of your forecasters are starting to inject some heat and some dryness. And so if that happens, there's no question that uh, 
you could see some support for the corn market. And I mean, uh, after what we've seen here ha happen here lately, you know, support something that we sorely need. Well, we'll have more from Matt Bennett of AgMarket.net later on in the program talking about what's going on in the livestock marketplace. Right now, Andy Peterson standing by. He has his three big Iowa Ag Matters. Number three. Gaining momentum is reintroducing whole and 2% milk to schools. As for more than a decade, Congress has prevented public schools from serving the products. Now parents, physicians, dietitians, and the dairy community are pushing back. And Congress is listening, according to Matt Herrick, Senior Vice President of the International Dairy Foods Association. The legislation is the Whole Milk for Healthy Kids Act. And what it's really about is allowing schools to serve children the nutritious varieties of milk that they already consume at home. So we know that since these milk options were removed from school meals, that's whole and 2% milk, children are not drinking as much milk. Well, they're not eating their meals with the same level of frequency. They're not consuming the necessary nutrients that they need. And as a result, they're throwing away more food. So we're seeing an increase of food waste. At the same time, the science around the nutrition of dairy fats has changed dramatically in the last decade. So we now know, for instance, that full fat dairy products like whole milk are actually beneficial to kids because they lower the risk of heart disease and they lower childhood obesity. So bringing these milk varieties back to schools is a no-brainer. Now they released a new poll of parents who are near unanimous in their support of the Whole Milk for Healthy Kids Act. Herrick says parents are key to making sure the bill passes Congress. Number two. Looking at changes in land use and rotational acres is a new study partially funded by the Iowa Corn Promotion Board it conducted historical analysis going back to 1985 and found that longer time intervals need to be considered when determining the environmental and economic impacts of land use change. Now, it showed out of 1,000 parcels analyzed, 371 were previously identified as land use change from native grasslands who remained in cropland, while 611 parcels transitioned into non-cropland. Biggest reasons for land use change may be a bit surprising, which include difficulties in re-enrolling in the Conservation Reserve Program and reduced cattle prices while increased demand was not shown to be a significant factor. Number one. Continuing concern over news that was broken earlier this week on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network about 2,4-D resistance in water hemp in a ditch in Wright County, according to Eric Scherter with Corteva. Well, anytime you hear about resistance, especially in what I call a key driver weed, it should hopefully kind of get growers attention in general, regardless of that mode of action. One of the things that we're really proud of at Corteva is that we started our enlist stewardship program three years before we ever launched a herbicide or trait. And we haven't deviated from that. And that is multiple modes of action pre, multiple modes of action post. And we know we have a very powerful tool with Enlist One and Enlist Duo, but we encourage every time to use multiple modes of action. We don't want to wear out this technology. Now he says the good news is the resistant weeds were found in a ditch, not in the field where the Enlist weed control system is still effective, and they'd like to keep it that way. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters. Are you ready to diversify your farm income? Sweetwater Technologies, powered by GRIP, is offering the next generation of agricultural entrepreneurs turnkey owner-operated drone business partnerships. Together, we can grow and empower agricultural communities through technological solutions. It is our vision to build economic growth for future generations. Apply today to become a business partner and join our journey on the road to 1 million acres at sweetwatertechnologies.com. 
Export sales numbers are out, and Riley Smith has an in-depth analysis next on Iowa Ag Matters. Well, of course, the markets were watching the latest export sales report that came out yesterday, and Riley had a chance to talk with the Mr. McBride, Mr. Greg McBride from Allendale, about what we saw. Uh, first off, Greg, what came out on the report this morning for corn and soybean exports? Corn sales were uh, were decent, uh, 1.307 um, million tons for the uh, uh, for the corn. Um, that was in the uh, mid to upper end of the range of uh, of estimates. Uh, high end of the range was uh, 1.5 million. Uh, beans were uh, were lagging again. Uh, we came in at uh, at the lower end of uh, of estimates, uh, 354,000 tons. Uh, meal was bearish, came in under the estimates uh, at 200 and uh, 200. 3.4 thousand tons, and then we uh, we had uh, exactly zero bean oil sales. So overall, the bean complex uh, uh, demand is still lagging uh, at this point. And then uh, looking at those uh, export bid situations, you know, we had touched on this with the South America update that, uh, especially with the uh, beans, that uh, those prices are drawing closer between the U.S. and Brazil. Uh, looking later on into that, obviously, you know, there's quite a bit of ground to make up. So is there a point where uh, that price will get close enough to where we see maybe some meaningful change out of that? It, it could. Um, some of it, it could just be changes to uh, to production. They just don't have the the amount of uh, of soybeans that they expected. That can draw the uh, draw the attention away. Uh, that could also get to the point where they say, "Hey, we'll we'll dial it back on on sales for right now until we make sure that we have enough to cover." Um, but the, I mean, it is it is starting to narrow. It's just still heavily in favor of Brazil. So we're looking at uh, in the uh, in the upfront time frame, time frame between now and the end of uh, February, sixty-one dollars is the, the uh, sixty-one dollars per ton is the uh, advantage for uh, uh, for Brazil. And uh, as you go out to say um, April or even May, uh, we're talking about uh, maybe getting it down to about uh, thirty-seven. So we're you know, nearly cutting it in half, but that is still heavily favoring uh, uh, Brazil. Whereas on the corn side of things. It is still in favor of uh, of the U.S., uh, but it's narrow. It's it's about uh, six to seven dollars uh, between now and and uh, the end of uh, uh, end of April. And then, uh, you know, looking at the uh, USDA's expectations on on the U.S. side of things, uh, how are we lining up with those uh, export goals so far? Well, I don't think we see any uh, any major changes to what the. Uh, uh, the USDA does for corn. Uh, that one uh, seems to be right on uh, with where where they're at. Uh, we don't see any uh, upward or, or downward movement there. Uh, the soybean side of things still still could be uh, looking for more. We just saw them uh, uh, lower their uh, their expectations by 35 million bushels on the last USDA report uh, last Thursday. And as we uh, we look out and we continue to see these uh, these numbers kind of come in uh, limping through, um, potentially another 20 million uh, uh, bushel cut. Now, some of that uh, could actually be offset by uh, uh, by crush, but it's still it's still a market uh, or it's still a demand center that's uh, just not uh, not performing the way we'd like it to. Well, that was some great information there from Greg McBride. And speaking of great information, here's some featured conversations we had with Jolene Reeson, president of the Iowa Corn Growers Association. 
There's a lot of conversation at Commodity Classic about the importance of carbon intensity scoring and increasing farmer participation. I have a Corn Growers Association, one of the leaders on the issue, according to President Jolene Reeson. So I had a study done here on my farm, and I'm actually a, a negative carbon emitter, and, and I managed to get to that point by a no-till, I use cover crops, I have a custom feed yard that we feed cattle in and I utilize that manure as part of my, as part of my fertility program. The ground is, is actually worked very little. Um, if we can no-till it, that's usually what we do. Always keeping in mind, you know, the soil erosion, carbon capture. We just try and do everything that we can to, number one, keep the soil on my farm, number two to keep the fertilizer on my farm. She says lowering ethanol's carbon intensity score will be key to unlocking the sustainable aviation fuel market and you can learn more at iowacorn.org. Well, cash prices continue to drop and now there are more $3 handle reports of uh, cash corn prices. Dustin Hoffman has the latest for us right around the corner here on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Time to check those elevator prices here on Iowa Ag Matters for this Friday morning. I'm Dustin Huffman. Starting to see a few more elevators slip below that $4 level on corn. Let's take a look at what's happening. Starting at 80M Burlington, they're 15 cents under on corn, 404. Soybeans a dime under at 1158. Cargill and Eddyville, they are even today. Cash corn is at 419. New Co-op Algona, 13 cents under on corn, 406. Soybeans 55 cents under with a cash bid at 1113. Ag State Sheldon, 20 cents over on corn. They're at 439. Soybeans, 68 cents under at $11 even. Ag State Elta, a dime under on corn. They're at 409. Soybeans, 62 cents under. They're at 1106. Cargill Cedar Rapids, they are even today on corn. They're at 419. Soybeans, 15 cents under. Cash bid, 1153. The Cargill facility will be closed for President's Day on Monday. Nexus Co-op in Marble Rock, they're 15 cents under on corn, 404. Soybeans, 55 cents under at 1113. Lincoln Way Ethanol Nevada, 2 cents under on corn. Cash bid, 417. At ADM Des Moines, they're 12 cents under on soybeans. Cash bid, 1156. At New Co-op Red Oak, they're a dime under on corn at 409. Soybeans are 45 cents under. They're at 11.23. Mid-Iowa Cooperative Green Mountain, 24 cents under on corn. Cash bid 395. Soybeans 52 cents under at 11.16. New Co-op in Sheraton, 25 cents under on corn, 394. Soybeans 50 cents under. Cash bid 11.18. At Walk-On Feed Rancher, 18 cents under on corn at 401. Soybeans, 62 cents under at 1106. New Co-op Glidden, 13 cents under on corn. Cash bid 406. Soybeans, 50 cents under at 1118. And Innovative Ag Services Farley, 17 cents under on corn, 402. Soybeans, 53 cents under at 1115. And Cargill and Muscatine is closed for the season. They'll reopen on April 1st. The office is open for regular business. Cash corn and soybean bids are subject to change without notice. Always check with your local elevator when making sales to obtain the most recent price. That's your basis report here on Iowa Ag Matters. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board. 
We have more market information still to come here on the program. Mark and Andy will have a complete rundown of the midday numbers. Don't forget about the free market podcast coming to you on Apple, Amazon, Google, Spotify, and Podbean, and on our website at iowaagnet.com. More Iowa Ag Matters coming right up. We'll turn the conversation here to climate initiatives as uh, Dustin and I continue on Iowa Ag Matters. Thanks to Riley for making it sound good, as always. And Mark Magnuson now visiting with Will McKinty. And Will, here today we wanted to talk about the American Climate Corps initiative. Could you expand on what the initiative is and what the goals of the initiative are? Yeah, absolutely. So this is part of uh, President Biden's historic American Climate Corps initiative that he announced uh, last year. Uh, initiative that that trains young people in high demand skills for jobs in the clean energy economy uh, and and will put a new generation of Americans to work, conserving our lands and waters, bolstering community resilience, deploying clean energy, implementing energy efficient technologies and tackling uh, climate change. And today's announcement builds off that by establishing the Working Lands Climate Corps uh, that, that USDA announced that will provide technical training and career pathway opportunities for young people, uh, helping them to deliver economic benefits through climate smart agriculture solutions for farmers and ranchers across the country, uh, both now and in the future. Uh, in its first cohort, the, the uh, Working Lands Climate Corps will aim to create service opportunities for more than 100 uh, young people. And uh, we're really excited uh, to, to uh, you know, have this uh, exciting new partnership, uh, both to um, you know, put help put boots on the ground uh, uh, to work, you know, alongside uh, some of the investments that the administration is making in climate smart agriculture and forestry, uh, and really to develop, uh, you know, additional talent and that, that next generation of agricultural leaders. And you say that, that's exactly right. It's all about keeping that talent into these rural areas and having that ability to use those talents to kind of do everything that we talked about here, which is the climate side of things, but then also building up that community. Is it just bringing everybody together on the same page? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think you, you just touched on it, you know, everything that, that you know, President Biden you know, speaks about when he talks about the uh, investments that we're making in, in rural communities. You know, it's really around um, you know creating those opportunities that allow for um, you know younger folks who are um, you know in, interested in, in staying at home, staying close to family, having opportunities uh, you know economically to do just that, to you know be leaders in their communities and uh, and, and and be you know that that next generation of agriculture and uh you know through this program you know be equipped with the the the, the tools uh you know to to be able to um you know work on uh you know some of those exciting uh you know new uh market opportunities that uh that that, that are involved around uh the climate smart agriculture and forestry initiatives that um this administration is is, is really looking to continue to, to partner uh with with our farmers and ranchers on well, Will, I thank you so much for taking the time to join us here today. Is there anything else you'd like to let our listeners know about when it comes to this program and what has you excited about it? I, I, I would say what, what really excites us about this program is that it you know, really uh, you know, fits two needs that, 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 that we've been you know, working hard to address uh, through the, the administration's work. You know, one is you know, supporting that, that next generation um, of uh, you know, rural leaders and agricultural leaders 
and then also you know, addressing uh, you know the, the the climate issues and uh, and creating economic opportunities so that you know we're we're both addressing this as the urgent issue that it is, uh, but also creating those economic opportunities as a result. So it's really exciting, uh, and and we're excited to to work with uh, with folks across the country on this. Well, that was great information there from Will McKinty, and thanks, Mark, for providing that. And Andy Peterson is standing by right now. He has got his three big Iowa Ag Matters. Number three. Gaining momentum is reintroducing whole and 2% milk to schools. As for more than a decade, Congress has prevented public schools from serving the products. Now parents, physicians, dietitians, and the dairy community are pushing back. And Congress is listening, according to Matt Herrick, Senior Vice President of the International Dairy Foods Association. The legislation is the Whole Milk for Healthy Kids Act. And what it's really about is allowing schools to serve children the nutritious varieties of milk that they already consume at home. So we know that since these milk options were removed from school meals, that's whole and 2% milk, children are not drinking as much milk. Well, they're not eating their meals with the same level of frequency. They're not consuming the necessary nutrients that they need. And as a result, they're throwing away more food. So we're seeing an increase of food waste. At the same time, the science around the nutrition of dairy fats has changed dramatically in the last decade. So we now know, for instance, that full fat dairy products like whole milk are actually beneficial to kids because they lower the risk of heart disease and they lower childhood obesity. So bringing these milk varieties back to schools is a no-brainer. Now they released a new poll of parents who are near unanimous in their support of the Whole Milk for Healthy Kids Act. Herrick says parents are key to making sure the bill passes Congress. Number two. Looking at changes in land use and rotational acres is a new study partially funded by the Iowa Corn Promotion Board it conducted historical analysis going back to 1985 and found that longer time intervals need to be considered when determining the environmental and economic impacts of land use change. Now, it showed out of 1,000 parcels analyzed, 371 were previously identified as land use change from native grasslands remained in cropland, while 611 parcels transitioned into non-cropland. Biggest reasons for land use change may be a bit surprising, which include difficulties in re-enrolling in the Conservation Reserve Program and reduced cattle prices while increased demand was not shown to be a significant factor. Number one. Continuing concern over news that was broken earlier this week on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network about 2,4-D resistance in water hemp in a ditch in Wright County, according to Eric Scherter with Corteva. Well, anytime you hear about resistance, especially in what I call a key driver weed, it should hopefully kind of get growers' attention in general, regardless of that mode of action. One of the things that we're really proud of at Corteva is that we started our enlist stewardship program three years before we ever launched a herbicide or trade. And we haven't deviated from it. And that is multiple modes of action pre, multiple modes of action post. And we know we have a very powerful tool with Enlist One and Enlist Duo, but we encourage every time to use multiple modes of action. We don't want to wear out this technology. Now he says the good news is the resistant weeds were found in a ditch, not in the field where the Enlist weed control system is still effective, and they'd like to keep it that way. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters. 
In February, we celebrate World Radio Day. Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we feature Iowa-centric programming with content focused on Iowa crop farmers and livestock producers who draw their livelihood from modern production agriculture. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes. In addition, the network airs a daily midday program featuring Iowa ag news and discussions called Iowa Ag Matters. We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February. Well, the midday numbers coming up next as we take a look at how the grain and livestock markets are moving next on Iowa Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. This is the Midday Market Update on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson. Corn is traded on both sides of unchanged so far today as funds likely take some profits ahead of the three-day weekend. Between Wednesday and Thursday, March corn lost 13 cents. The USDA's outlook numbers showed planted corn acres falling to 91 million acres with a trendline yield of 181 bushels per acre used to project an ending stocks number of 2.532 billion bushels. Export sales for corn currently running 30% above the previous year, in large part thanks to Mexico, who has been a top buyer. Ukraine has been an aggressive seller of cheap wheat, however, and it is tough competition for U.S. exports. Soybeans trading higher today as they recover from a very negative week overall. The Outlook Forum numbers were not particularly friendly, and neither were yesterday's export sales numbers. Soybean meal trading higher today, soybean oil is lower. Yesterday's NOPA crush report showed January crush numbers falling slightly from December to 185.78 million bushels. That's likely due to the cold snap mid-month. This was below last month's record crush, but still a record high crush for January. For the week, March soybeans currently on track for a loss of about 10 cents. March soybean meal on track for a slight loss of $2. March soybean oil on track for a loss of $1.60. Thanks, Mark. For the grain analysis, we'll go ahead and take a look at what's been going on in the livestock trade to end off this week. Uh, For cattle, it is fairly quiet in the country this morning following the last two days of light to moderate business. Northern dress deals have been marked at mostly 287 to 288 steady to $1 lower than last week's weighted averages. Southern trade this week has been at mostly $180, $2 lower than the prior week's weighted averages. Beef cutouts are expected to be higher with light to moderate box movement. Weekly beef export sales were shown at 16.6 thousand metric tons for the week that ended February 8th. That was a new low for the year through the first six weeks, but it was 1% above the same week last year. Beef exports were listed at 16.4 thousand metric tons, which was 5% above the same week last year and brought the accumulated export to 85.9 thousand metric tons. On the pork side of things, uh, much bigger news. The USDA's weekly export sales report showed a record for weekly pork bookings. Mexico booked 25,000 metric tons, China purchased nearly 20,000 metric tons, and Japan booked 9,000 metric tons, contributing to a total 71,855 metric tons sold during the week that ended February 8th. Shipments were also a large 75.9 thousand metric tons for the week. The year's total export reached 225 thousand metric tons through the first six weeks, which is 30% ahead of last year's pace. We'll take a look at the midday market prices coming up next. You might think Iowa just grows corn, but the truth is corn grows Iowa. Hi, I'm Stu Swanson, a farmer from Galt, Iowa, and the first vice president of the Iowa Corn Growers Association. Whether you're planting, harvesting, or anywhere in between, as a member of the Iowa Corn Growers Association, you're also actively advocating for our industry. 
As an ICGA member, you have a voice lobbying on ag issues at the state and federal levels on priorities that impact your farm. Join us today at iowacorn.org slash join. At midday, March corn down one even at 416 and three quarters. March soybeans up seven and three quarters at 1170 even. March soybean meal up $5.30 at $344.80. March soybean oil down 52 cents at $45.48. On the Merck, April live cattle up $1.97 at $187.57. March feeder cattle up $4.07 at $251.17. April lean hogs down 7 cents at $84.92. April pork cutout unchanged at $91.42. That was a check of the midday markets on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson. Well, as we promised, more analysis coming up here with Matt Bennett from agmarket.net as we take a look at what's been moving the livestock numbers here today, and we'll find out what's going on with Mark Magnuson. On the other side of the ag marketplace, what's happening with the cattle and hogs? Yeah, I mean, uh, we had a really good day yesterday whenever we look over at uh, what the cattle market did. You know, uh, bottom line for cattle is that uh, you've still got some folks that are going to be very hesitant to step in and you know, and, and sell these uh, sell these cattle, especially in the face of uh, what I would say is going to be awfully bullish cattle on feed and, uh, you know, uh, uh, placement numbers as we move, especially into the summer, uh, later into the year time frame. Of course, it's a futures market. So I think some of these folks that were uh, just major sellers earlier on uh, after we hit the high 190s there for April cattle, you know, the fund step in and sold this thing uh, to beat the band. I think they decided, hey, we're going to back off that a little bit because we see some pretty friendly numbers coming forward. Matt, what is the situation right now for consumers and kind of thinking about the next year or so when it comes to beef prices and what consumers are going to be seeing in the store? You know, cattle prices are high and and you're probably going to see boxed beef prices uh, fairly high. Even, uh, you know, pork's cheaper for sure. There's no doubt, relatively speaking, pork's, you've finally seen this hog market come to life somewhat, but as far as the consumer goes, you know, inflation on food over the last year is definitely a, you know, a factor. So uh, I guess my personal uh, opinion is that you could see, for instance, beef prices creep up even more. I think that you could make all-time highs as far as what the producer is receiving, uh, you know, for fat cattle. And if that's the case, you've got to expect that there could be a little bit more pressure you know, for the consumer as they as they go in and buy those, uh, uh, even those T-bones and ribeyes to grill out on the grill at home because uh, bottom line is I think that it's going to be tough to expect cattle to move lower right now with the kind of numbers we're looking at. Matt Bennett of agmarket.net, our guest here today. Matt, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch for more marketing information? Yep, just agmarket.net. That's the best place to be able to get a hold of all of our stuff, our, our technology and our contact info. Matt, thank you so much for the information. We really appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Absolutely. You as well. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board.
In February, we celebrate World Radio Day. Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we feature Iowa-centric programming with content focused on Iowa crop farmers and livestock producers who draw their livelihood from modern production agriculture. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes. In addition, the network airs a daily midday program featuring Iowa ag news and discussions called Iowa Ag Matters. We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February. The hot topic of conversation, or a big one at least, in Iowa agriculture this week has been news that we broke earlier on uh, potential resistance to 4D by water hemp. A couple of plants that were found in a ditch, not in a crop field, uh, appear to be resistant. What's that mean as far as spraying soybeans within the list? Well, our friends at Corteva and Eric Scherter join Iowa Ag Matters in just a moment. Sit tight. Well, let's take a look at what's happening in South America. We're hearing reports of harvest going faster than uh, maybe predicted or expected, which could very well speak to uh, to yields and have a market impact. Riley Smith catching up with Greg McBride from Allendale on Iowa Ag Matters right now. Greg McBride from Allendale is back with us again for this week's South American weather and crop update. Uh, first off, Greg, what's the latest weather patterns looking like for Brazil and Argentina? Decent rains across uh, Brazil, uh, very dry across the uh, uh, the bulk of Argentina now for the uh, 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 for at least the, the the bulk of the eastern portion of uh, Argentina uh, in the one to five day. Looking at the six to ten day, uh, there is some rain that comes in uh, as we uh, as we like to see in Cordoba and, and Santa Fe. So a uh, little bits here and there that'll help them along, but uh, uh, no problems with rain in uh, in Brazil. If anything, might be a little bit too heavy to uh, to push forward on uh, on harvest, but I don't think we're gonna we're gonna push any panic buttons just yet. Uh, the 11 to 15 day does show things drying out a little bit uh, in the southeastern portion of uh, Brazil. Uh, the northern portion and, and uh, northwestern portions are still uh, still seeing good rain, so we'll uh, take that as uh, as good for the uh, the second crop corn uh, that's been planted. Uh, Argentina is a little bit mixed on uh, some of the rain uh, ideas. It's, it's more over the uh, the eastern coast of uh, of Argentina, not so much over the center or western portion. But uh, we'll take it because I think what we'll see uh, once that evolves is it'll actually uh, spread out as it gets closer. So uh, overall, no major complaints about uh, about the weather uh, in uh, in South America at this point. Some areas look like they might get a little bit too much. Some other other areas, not enough. But uh, that all kind of evens out over the over the two week period. And then uh, looking in Brazil at uh, their harvest season right now, uh, what are those numbers uh, coming in at this week? Still moving along ahead of uh, ahead of pace. Twenty two percent completed uh, through last uh, uh, last Friday. Uh, last year they were at fifteen percent, and uh, on the five year average they're at seventeen percent. So they are moving along at a pretty good clip. We are still hearing um, that some of the yields uh, are not necessarily where they would like them to be. Obviously, we know that they had some uh, uh, some issues to get started with this uh, this crop. So. Uh, some of those yield yield numbers being down, and we've seen that uh, reflected in some of the estimates uh, from uh, the boots on the ground down there, Conab, and then obviously the USDA has lowered uh, expectations, but uh, not nearly as much as everybody else. 
And then, of course, uh, you know, we kind of saw this with the uh, WASD report and kind of the lack of reaction there. But um, markets still very much focused on the uh, situation with South America. And, you know, looking at those uh, comparative grain prices right now, uh, how are the U.S. grains holding up with uh, Brazil's prices? Well, we are seeing uh, uh, the soybeans uh, narrow the gap a little bit, very little bit. But the Brazil still still clearly holds the uh, the discount uh, when it comes to uh, to soybeans. Corn is still uh, in favor of the uh, uh, of the United States, but uh, overall, we just haven't seen a heck of a lot of uh, demand out of uh, either of those uh, those crops. So we'll continue to watch that. Uh, it's not uh, not something that I see changing anytime soon. Uh, there's potential that if there's uh, further cuts made to uh, to Argentina or or Brazil, that uh, we could see some maybe some uh, uh, some token business uh, that uh, comes our way. But uh, for right now, it's it's still going to be the uh, the South America's time to uh, to get those uh, those sales, whether it's Brazil or Argentina. All right, Greg, lots of great information today for those of our listeners who'd like to get in touch and learn more from the folks at Allendale. How can they do that? Give us a call at 800-2-MARKET. That's 800-262-7538. Thank you to Greg McBride of Allendale for the South America update. Let's take a moment now for today's featured conversation. There's a lot of conversation at Commodity Classic about the importance of carbon intensity scoring and increasing farmer participation. I have a Corn Growers Association, one of the leaders on the issue, according to President Jolene Reeson. So I had a study done here on my farm, and I'm actually... A- a negative carbon emitter and and I've managed to get to that point by I no-till, I use cover crops, I have a custom feed yard that we feed cattle in and I utilize that manure as part of my, as part of my fertility program. The ground is is actually worked very little. Um, if we can no-till it, that's usually what we do. Always keeping in mind, you know, the soil erosion, carbon capture, We just try and do everything that we can to, number one, keep the soil on my farm. Number two, to keep the fertilizer on my farm. She says lowering ethanol's carbon intensity score will be key to unlocking the sustainable aviation fuel market. And you can learn more at iowacorn.org. Wow, just like that, uh, we have reached the end of another fantastic Iowa Ag Matters program. Mark, always good to visit with you here, and we'll look forward to Dustin's return tomorrow. Yes, thanks so much, Andy. You know, you mentioned it to start the show today. A little bit cooler today, and it is. And that got me thinking, you know, we have state wrestling taking place here in Des Moines right now. Normally at this time of year, there is a little bit more snow on the ground, more weather to deal with, and we're still doing just fine. So I'll take a little bit of cool temperature for sure. You've been listening to Iowa Ag Matters here on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network.